If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It has been a day of major breaking developments on COVID-19. The World Health Organization declaring a global pandemic. It triggered the cancellation of many events across North America and around the world. And now, seven more cases confirmed here in B.C., bringing the total to 46. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. For the last two weeks, the only people not calling COVID-19 a pandemic was the WHO. Despite the change of name, the health organization is adamant. Nothing has changed in the fight against the disease. The dangers of using a word if people use it as an excuse to give up. Canada still really only preparing for a large-scale response. The federal government announcing $1 billion to help offset the costs of COVID, including a plan to prop up businesses and waive the waiting period for people to collect EI. No one should have to worry about their job if they have to be quarantined. No employer should feel like they have to lay off a worker because of the virus. The spread of the virus seems virtually unchecked worldwide. Italy on Wednesday reporting more than 12,000 cases, deaths surging 30%. 196 people died in the past 24 hours. People, of course, are very afraid. Um, some people are more afraid than others. While many of Italy's neighbors are clamping down on movement, trying to prevent transmission, many people believe it's the U.S. where the next major outbreak will happen. Lack of testing and lack of understanding from the White House have senior health officials warning about the potential outcome. If we wait till we have many, many more cases, we will be multiple weeks behind. BC has added another seven cases Wednesday, three more associated with travel to Egypt, two more from community spread, as well as two more health care workers at the Lynn Valley Care Home. It's not inevitable that everybody is going to be infected with this that it's not inevitable that our systems are going to be overwhelmed. We do not have to be in that position. Only one case of the 46 in B.C. remains in hospital right now. Several seniors have been released, and aside from the one death, everyone else is recovering at home in isolation. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Now, you heard Aaron mention the U.S. is a growing concern right now. Later on the news hour, a closer look at Washington State and the strategies being implemented there, the epicenter of the U.S. coronavirus outbreak. Right now, though, let's go to Keith Baldry, who's live in Victoria, with more on the declaration of a pandemic and the specific concern, Keith, about care homes here. 
Indeed, uh, Chris. First of all, the pandemic designation really doesn't change anything in B.C. Dr. Bonnie Henry says they were working on the assumption we get to a pandemic anyways. But there are heightened concerns about long-term care homes as that's where elderly people live. And that, of course, are the most vulnerable part of the population for potential fatalities. Uh, so new rules starting tomorrow. Uh, you're going to if you visit a care home, you're going to be asked about your health condition and your recent travels. Also, new uh, suggestions from Dr. Bonnie Henry. Don't visit if you have any respiratory issues at all. Do do not visit in large groups. Just go in one or two pairings. Do not mingle with other patients. Just see your loved one and no one else. And care workers who work in the homes must self-monitor their own health constantly throughout their entire working shift and go home if they feel sick. Bonnie Henry telling us at a news conference today she doesn't want to see another Lynn Valley uh, care home uh, incident with the uh, serious cases there. Visiting care homes right now is something that we want people to be very conscious of because we don't want any more outbreaks in those settings. So if you have a family member who's in a care home, stay away if you're feeling ill. Make sure your family doesn't come in if you're feeling ill. Find other ways to connect with your loved one. So heightened concerns about long-term care homes. And an update on what we talked about last night, Chris, and that's the 811 service. Uh, today, Adrian Dix tells us it's up to 4,000 calls a day. We had some misleading statistics from the ministry yesterday suggesting it was a weekly basis, but no, 4,000 calls a day. That just keeps escalating uh, daily and certainly right after newscasts as well. Best place to call for the latest information, though, on, yeah. on, and guidance on your own health. Appreciate it, Keith. Thanks very much. Now, with health officials warning about large gatherings, what will happen for upcoming religious celebrations like Easter, Passover and Vaisakhi? That question tackled today in a conference call between B.C.'s premier and top doctor and about 100 faith leaders from around the province. Richard Zussman reports. It is a weekly or daily ritual for many British Columbians, from church to temple to synagogue. Now the province putting forward recommendations to change the way we gather and pray. And they need to find ways to make space within their communities to allow for people to stay at home, to look at having virtual services. Premier John Horgan speaking via conference call to over a hundred faith-based leaders in the province on Wednesday. The advice, be very cautious of large-scale events where people are close together and could easily spread COVID-19. Just last week, Minister Dix and I were at the 54th annual prayer breakfast in Vancouver, a hotel room in Vancouver, with over a thousand people. That type of gathering uh, may well not be most, uh, the most appropriate way for people to share fellowship. At the Souk Cigar Gurdwara in New Westminster, prayer services are still taking place, but there are additional steps in place to help prevent spread of COVID-19. So where traditionally you may be hand-to-hand um, um, -hand contact or you may be um, uh, for prayer services using scarves and switching them between different um, different individuals where we put in processes so that we're washing them um, after each touch. We're asking people to take measures that make it easy for somebody who's ill not to come and make sure that they can participate in other ways. The province is also looking forward to some major religious holidays, including Easter and Passover. We're trying to take common sense approaches to how we celebrate our holidays. Uh, you know, some of the food sharing, some of the big buffets, things like that that might appear in some of our synagogues are things that we're kind of re-looking at. Then there is Vasaki, a major religious event and community gathering. Hundreds of thousands of people are set to gather in April in Burnaby, Vancouver and Surrey. 
So we'll be working with faith communities on these questions in the, in the coming weeks. We, in some cases, we have a little bit of time. But with the virus spreading quickly, officials are concerned that by the time those decisions are needed to be made, we could be looking at many more cases. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. More COVID-19 coverage coming up, but breaking news right now involving a Richmond RCMP officer now facing a string of charges after being arrested early last year. Constable Andrew Shangio is alleged to have exposed himself to students near Vancouver's all-girl York House School while he was off duty. At the time, students reported a man in a black SUV pulling up beside them, exposing himself and then driving away. Now, 10 counts of indecent assault and one count of voyeurism have been approved. Shangio remains suspended with pay. The RCMP says his duty status is subject to continuous review and assessment. He's due back in court April 29th. And now the latest on a major settlement tonight against Canada's National Police Force over sexual harassment accusations. A federal court judge has approved a $100 million class action suit against the RCMP filed by women who worked for or volunteered with the RCMP. Paul Johnson now on how much the victims could be paid. Cheryl Taylor was a civilian employee of the RCMP in Saskatchewan. 13 years ago, she went to a retirement party where she says this happened. As I walked past um, the sergeant at the time, he put his hand at my knees and swiped up through my crotch and out through the back. Devastated and humiliated, Tiller was afraid to say anything because she feared retaliation. But four years ago, the RCMP settled a similar lawsuit filed by women Mounties. Now this one is bringing justice for victims who didn't wear a uniform. These include uh, municipal employees, Students, volunteers, nonprofit workers, victim services. The lawyers expect 2,000 women will come forward with claims over treatment so obnoxious and abusive it's hard to associate it with a respected national institution. You have rape, sometimes multiple rapes. Uh, on the lower end, you have persistent sexual jokes, pornography, sexual toys being placed in your desk. So at the end of the day, Bad behavior by some Mounties is going to cost you, the taxpayer, possibly as much as $100 million. Police officers, especially... RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky said the harassment is unacceptable and the Mounties will continue to improve their workplace culture. While an apology from the top may count as some progress... Victim Services, Cheryl speaking. Tilly never got one from her abuser. You can probably understand... How it's too late for that now. 13 years later, and I still have triggers that set me off. And uh, I, I, I don't want to ever see or hear from that man ever. Paul Johnson, Global News. A woman has been charged with committing an indignity to a dead body in connection with a strange police call this week. Officers were called to Coquitlam's Minicata Park early Tuesday morning for a suspicious fire. When they arrived, they discovered a body. Penjung Tracy Chen was arrested at the scene and has now been charged with committing an indignity to a dead body. The integrated homicide team has been brought into the investigation. Police say they, were, they are working with forensic investigators to determine the identity of the victim. 
The BC Coroner Service and RCMP are asking for your help to identify a man whose remains were found in North Burnaby last year. The man's body was discovered last March in a forested area in North Burnaby. And now these reconstructed images of what he's believed to have looked like have been released. He's thought to have been between 40 and 60 years old with black hair worn in a ponytail. And it's estimated that he might have gone missing around March of 2013. If you know who this is, you are asked to contact police. Right now, though, the B.C. businessman and philanthropist and former football player who is the highest profile Canadian charged in the U.S. college admission scandal is changing his plea. Until now, David Sidhu had denied allegations that he paid someone to take entrance exams for his two sons. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, his lawyers now say he'll admit guilt to one of two charges. Only weeks ago, BC businessman David Sidhu posed at a charity event in Vancouver. Now, more than a year after being arrested and charged in the college admission scandal, he's poised to plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire and mail fraud. Newly released court documents reveal he's due to appear in a Boston courtroom Friday, with prosecution and defense agreeing on a sentence. Three months in prison, a $250,000 fine, and 12 months supervised release. Final approval needed from the judge. Well, no one at his Belmont home answered, his team of high-priced lawyers released a statement saying in part, he will seek a conclusion to this matter through a plea to one of the two charges of the pending indictment. His desire is to seek finality to this process. The night is beginning now. Sidhu is accused of paying an admissions consultant more than $200,000 to have someone take exams for his two sons. The one-time BC Lions player was among dozens charged in the Varsity Blues investigation, including Hollywood stars Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. At UBC, where a field bears his name, at least some believe a name change may be needed. If he feels named after someone who's pleading guilty for something uh, with uh, that much uh, kind of backlash, it might not be a bad idea to reconsider the name. In a statement, the university said, in the coming days, we will be reviewing all the facts. The university is beginning its process around naming revocation. Another question, could David Sidhu lose his Order of BC? There is a process for revoking the honor, but that could take some time, as it has never happened in the history of the Order of BC. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Victoria police are asking for your help to identify the suspects who robbed a senior of his mobility aid. Just after 6.30 on Sunday evening, surveillance video captured two men walking up to a vehicle parked in the 800 block of Pandora Avenue. The suspects lift a scooter off the back of the truck. One of them then rides away on the scooter, rolling down the sidewalk. The silver shop rider scooter with black and red trim belongs to a 67-year-old disabled man who depends on it to get around. The suspects are both described as white, 30 to 40 years old, with medium builds. One man has been arrested following a bizarre multi-vehicle crash in Pitt Meadows. That video sent into our newsroom shows a driver yelling at the people in the car who are recording him. He immediately crashes into a line of cars that had stopped. 
Ridge Meadows RCMP say they responded to the four-vehicle crash at the intersection of Lowheat Highway and Meadows Gardens Way on the evening of March 6th. One woman was taken to hospital with minor injuries. RCMP wouldn't comment on whether the incident was related to road rage. Police are investigating an alleged hit and run in West Vancouver in which a pedestrian was struck while on the sidewalk. Our Grace Key is live with the details on this story. What are investigators saying about who they might be looking for, Grace? Well, they really don't have a gender on the driver at this moment, so they are certainly reaching out to the public for help. But wanted to show you where it happened. We're just here on 15th, so the victim was just walking down on the street, and that uh, tree stump that you see on the far end right there, that was actually pushed out onto the road uh, from the suspect vehicle. So this all unfolded shortly before 10 o'clock this morning, just here on 15th Street in Fullerton. A 62-year-old man was walking on the sidewalk on 15th when a car hit him from behind. Now, witnesses say the car continued south on 15th without even stopping. The suspect vehicle is believed to be a 2001-2003 white Toyota RAV. And the suspect vehicle um, may have significant damage to the front end and the undercarriage of the vehicle. The witnesses who have come forward have stated that the pedestrian traveled on the hood of the vehicle for approximately a block before uh, ending up on the sidewalk. Now, the victim was rushed to hospital that he has serious but non-life-threatening injuries. And, of course, if you were in the area, if you have any dash cam video as well, uh, police are asking you to come forward. All right. Thanks for that. Grace Key in West Vancouver. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. That does not include the United Kingdom, but that stunning announcement from U.S. President Donald Trump just a few moments ago in an attempt to curtail the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus, President Trump has suspended all travel to the U.S. from Europe for a full month. A little bit closer to home, more now on the efforts to contain the spread of COVID-19 just south of our border in Washington state, where 24 people have died. Their governor is now urging residents to adopt unprecedented measures that will impact nearly every aspect of their lives. Tonight, Washington state taking extraordinary measures to slow the spread of coronavirus. The decisions that we're making today and the decisions we probably will be making in the upcoming days are going to be profoundly disturbing to a lot of the ways we live our lives. The move, called mandatory social distancing, would ban gatherings with 250 people or more in three counties, an area affecting 4 million, meaning no crowds at sporting events or even large church and community gatherings. Officials also asking residents to cancel elective surgeries, to free up hospital resources if possible, and asking local businesses to aggressively change how they operate by allowing employees to telecommute. This is an order... Uh, if somebody is consciously avoiding it, there are measures to have legal means to stop that from happening. What are the penalties exactly for not abiding by the ban? The penalties are you might be killing your granddad if you don't do it. And I'm serious about this. Today's order also bans gatherings under 250 people unless the organizers follow strict public health guidelines, including providing adequate sanitation and regular health checks. He says it's the most effective way to slow the spread. The slippery slope that I'm worried about is having 60,000 people be infected in mid-May and 2,000 uh, deceased. 
Colleges throughout the state have already canceled classes. Tonight, Seattle Public Schools announcing closures through the end of the month. I think probably it's almost too late. Aggressive measures at the epicenter of the U.S. coronavirus outbreak. Unfortunately, we know that the rest of the nation will be where we are perhaps in a couple or, or three weeks. Well, some more breaking news about this tonight. Actor Tom Hanks is confirming on his Twitter feed just moments ago that he and his wife, Rita Wilson, have both tested positive for COVID-19. They are in Australia right now where he was set to film a movie about the life of Elvis Presley. Hanks says they'll now be tested, observed and isolated there for as long as required. Now to the U.S. political front, and despite pressure from some Democrats to pull out of the presidential primaries, Bernie Sanders says he's staying put. Last night, obviously, was not a good night for our campaign from a delegate point of view. Sanders lost at least four of the six states that were up for grabs in Tuesday's primaries. But he says despite the fact he's now trailing former Vice President Joe Biden in delegates, he's winning the ideological debate. And he says he's looking forward to Sunday's one-on-one -on -one debate with Joe Biden. Harvey Weinstein's accusers wept in a New York courtroom and then celebrated outside as the disgraced Hollywood producer was sent to prison possibly for the rest of his life. Weinstein sentenced to 23 years for sexual assault and rape. And even as he heads to prison, his legal troubles aren't over yet. When rape victim Jessica Mann left court today, she smiled. Moments after the judge handed down a sentence so heavy, it left some stunned. 23 years in prison for Harvey Weinstein. No one thought we'd be here today. No one thought we'd Harvey would ever see a courtroom. 20 years for first-degree criminal sex act, three years for third-degree rape, to be served back-to-back. -back. At 67 years old, it could mean the rest of his life behind bars. When the judge read his decision, several of Weinstein's accusers openly wept in court. The defense team vowing to appeal. Weinstein maintains his innocence, denying non-consensual sex. That sentence that was just handed down by this court was obscene. That number was obnoxious. Weinstein argued for leniency himself before he was sentenced, telling the judge he felt remorse for this situation, then adding, thousands of men are losing due process. I'm worried about this country. I'm totally confused. I think men are confused about these issues. Extradition proceedings have already begun for the sexual assault charges Weinstein faces in Los Angeles. But for now, his accusers are celebrating. I'm really sort of stunned and, and it makes me feel a lot of gratification. The American justice system is working. Tonight, an entire movement claiming victory. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. In Health Matters tonight, a lab in the UK is looking for volunteers to be infected with a version of coronavirus as companies around the world race to find a vaccine. They're planning on paying thousands of dollars for people willing to take up the challenge for the greater good. This pharmaceutical lab in London is willing to pay volunteers $4,500 to be infected with a coronavirus to test an experimental vaccine. I'm in good health. I, think, I feel like I could probably take the gamble. Yeah, I'll do it. Would I do that? Um, probably not at the moment, no, if I'm being honest, no. The company HVivo says it's looking for about 50 healthy people to try its coronavirus vaccine. 
Have you gotten a lot of interest from volunteers? It was pretty amazing. In 24 hours, 9,000 people have registered to be potential volunteers. Those who are chosen for the clinical trial will be infected with a less dangerous strain of a coronavirus rather than the potentially deadly COVID-19. But it is the best possible option um, because another coronavirus is going to be the most similar to COVID-19. Um, and for ethical reasons, we can't be infecting healthy people with, with COVID-19. The patients will be quarantined in a room at the lab for about two weeks where they'll have no physical contact with the outside world other than with doctors and nurses. What they eat will also be controlled. The company hopes to start the research in the coming months once it gets approval from the UK's regulatory agency. Cindy Palm, CBS News, London. In other health news tonight, a new study says Alcoholics Anonymous could be the most effective path to abstinence. Researchers from Stanford University reviewed studies involving more than 10,000 people and found that AA was nearly always found to be more effective than psychotherapy. They believe AA is successful because it's based on social interaction and members getting emotional support from one another. Once again tonight, an example of how social media can sometimes do good. When a video was posted of a four-year-old Atlanta girl calling herself ugly, the world responded. So may I can't believe your pretty When four-year-old Ariana Cotton sat down to get her hair done, she whispered three heartbreaking words. I'm so ugly. <gasps> I'm so ugly. Family friend Shabria Redmond pulled her close and told her she was wrong. You are so pretty. Do you hear me? You are too cute. Oh, Ariana, oh, you make me cry. You're not ugly. Let me see. Let me see. You got two dimples. When Shabria posted the moment online, the world agreed. Film director Matthew Cherry started the hashtag artwork for Ariana, flooded with gorgeous images of her. Ariana, you are black and beautiful. Big names chiming in, including Michelle Obama. In a world that sometimes tries to say otherwise, I want to tell you and every other beautiful, intelligent, brave black girl just how precious you are. For Ariana, a new hairdo and new confidence to go with it. Thank you. Lane Alexander, NBC News. The story behind this bizarre video of a goose doing a flyby on Pitt Lake coming up right after the weather forecast. Pretty cool. Sure is. All right. Uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at the weather forecast. That is a stunning picture, um, but it doesn't really tell the story about how cold it is out there. <laughs> That's right. So temperatures did warm up. I'll show you uh, those in a second, but you're right. We had strong winds today. Nice shot from Alouette River, do- River doesn't show the fact that we had the winds. There were some white caps out in the water in the English Bay area. We saw gusts sustained or gusts at 63 sustained at 50, especially along Exposed areas. The winds were coming from the west, sort of northwest. If you were hugging the North Shore Mountains, you may not have felt it quite as much, but it certainly was blustery in most areas. These were the temperatures, though, but you probably likely only felt this if you were shielded by the wind. Otherwise, it would have felt quite chilly out there. Quick look at the highs in the inland regions. Lillooet and Kamloops hitting a nice 11 degrees. Now, overnight, we are going to see clear skies. Temperatures will plummet, likely a frosty morning tomorrow morning, but the winds are going to die down as well. So 
won't feel quite as cold in the winds. Now, tomorrow afternoon, a bit of instability. You can see the pockets uh, here and there. For the most part, it's a very slight chance. You can expect dry conditions throughout the day with just some cloud development in the afternoon. But what we're watching is this system tracking south or west of the south coast region. So just clipping our area by Friday morning, bringing in a pretty good chance of some snow, especially over higher terrain across Vancouver Island, but quite iffy across Metro Vancouver. So I really urge you to tune back in tomorrow for a better idea of what we could see for Metro Vancouver because there's a lot of uncertainty there. Here's an example of what we could see in terms of snowfall, and you can see the likelihood across Vancouver Island is certainly the best. Meanwhile, it's tomorrow that we'll see sunshine right across the board. Again, frosty, cold in the morning, temperatures in the north, not warming up much at all, cold Arctic air plunging in across the province, whereas for our region, slightly cooler than what we saw today, but still sunshine. Friday's the iffy one. Really tune back in tomorrow. Looks like we're back to sunshine, though, over the weekend. Next week looking pretty nice also. I'll leave you with our central windows weather window from the Sunshine Coast Trail just outside of uh, Powell River. Thank you to Janet for that spectacular shot. It looks like a painting. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Sure is. All right, stand by for some breaking news from the NBA. Squires right here, and we'll give you more details in a moment. It's quite shocking. But right now, back to that video of a goose that got up close and personal with some boaters on Pitt Lake. The video was sent to Global BC by Travis Kuiper, who says the goose flew right up to the boat this morning as he raced across Pitt Lake near Cousin Point. According to Kuiper, the Cooper, sorry, the bird's nickname is Petey, and he heard it as he heard it was rescued as a gosling last year by someone who lives near the lake. Cooper says he's on the lake every day, and this is the first time the bird has done this riding a wave of air next to his boat before settling back into the water. When you don't have all your buddies in a V formation <laughs> and you need to get somewhere... Get a boat. Right. Get a boat. All right, Squire, what is yeah. going on? Well, um, okay, I'll tell more about this after the break, mm -hmm. but I'll show you this in a second. So Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City were supposed to play a game tonight. Mm -hmm. Before the game, Rudy Gobert, one of the Utah Jazz players, was sick. Mm -hmm. has tested positive for coronavirus. Now, he apparently wasn't in the arena, but I guess the OKC players caught wind of this and then before the game walked up to the refs and said, okay, what's going on? Like, why are we doing this? And they took the players off the floor and at that point they decided, okay, that's it. No game. And now the NBA says, after tonight, we are suspending play, period, until further notice. So you're watching Global News Hour at 6. And breaking news all hour. Mm -hmm. Well, this one uh, has come out of nowhere. Actually, I should say that the NBA had a meeting today, apparently, on the phone with all its owners, and they were going to make an announcement tomorrow to either go ahead with games with no fans or just suspend the season and wait until things settle down. Well, the decision's been made now to suspend the season. Because of what happened, before the Utah Jazz-Oklahoma City Thunder game tonight. Now, this isn't official yet, but all reports say Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz came down with an illness before the game and tested positive for coronavirus. The Oklahoma City players began questioning whether they should play at all. All the players were on the court getting ready to start the game. So just before tip-off, after a lot of talk, the players left the court. We showed you a bit earlier, but let's look at it again. 
They left after the coaches and the referees huddled up, and apparently all the players and all the team officials are still in the dressing rooms in Oklahoma City, and they're quarantined. They're not leaving. So, the NBA has said we will suspend things until further notice. So the league after tonight's games will stop. Now, will they stop for the rest of the season, just call it? We don't know yet. The NBA will make that decision as they go along. But, of course, the big question now is, what will the NHL do? The San Jose Sharks have already been told they can't play in front of fans for at least the rest of this month, and the Columbus Blue Jackets have been told the same thing. We will wait. One thing about the NHL, the NHL is very much a ticket-driven league. They don't have the big TV contract like the NBA, so playing in front of empty stadiums will hurt the NHL financially, but the way things are going, who knows? The NHL may have to react and do the same thing the NBA did. Until then, the NHL season continues. Now, speaking of the NHL season, that big win by the Canucks last night against the Islanders came with a cost, and we found out that Chris Tanev playing a full season without getting seriously hurt was just too much to hope for. Last night he got hurt. He's now out week to week with a lower body injury. That's a big hit for the Canucks. He's their best defensive defenseman. Even though the team has not been playing all that great defensively, not having Tanev makes things even worse. Last night they allowed 49 shots on goal but still won. Here is the play that we think Tanev got hurt on right here. Gets hit against the boards and as you can see his right knee seems to take the brunt of it. They're not saying what body part is injured, his lower body, but I'm going to guess the knee there and, uh, because he is limping off, Chris Tanev. And what's tough for the Canucks is because of Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes, Vancouver was able to shield Tanev as much, or Tanev a bit this year, not playing as, as much as he has played in past years. He's averaging around 19 and a half minutes per game right now. That's the lowest for him since 2013. But as we all know, He's never been a guy who's been able to avoid the injury bug, and his bad luck continues. Now, the Vancouver Giants will host Seattle on Friday at 7.30 in Langley. It'll be business as usual then, fans allowed in. However, when they play Seattle on Saturday night, there will be no fans allowed in the building. We should also say in Seattle, the Mariners' first two home series will not be played in Seattle. They're going to have to play it somewhere else, likely in the southern U.S. If you had any ideas that they might bring the games up here, that's not going to happen. Okay, after a dreadful opening night, the Vancouver Whitecaps turned things around and won a game nobody thought they would when they beat the Galaxy on the weekend. Now suddenly the mood around the Whitecaps is much better than it was after the first game, and this Saturday they have Colorado visiting BC Place. Now here comes Ali at that into the penalty area. He's got room. It's back to Ricketts. It's 1-0 to St. Ricketts. You remember how I was so disappointed after Kansas City talking about how how far we went from everything we did in preseason. And it's uh, like if um, against LA we remembered uh, what we did in preseason and got back to it and the principles of play that, that I want this team to have. So... It's still tough to understand the performance against Sporting Kansas City. It's a fresh start. It's a new chapter. Yes, a new chapter, but one with an all-too-familiar finish. A lackluster performance against Sporting Kansas, one the Caps couldn't put in the rearview mirror fast enough. It was a match where scoring chances were few and far between. To go from that to this, where the Caps stepped up and pressured their way to victory, was a welcome sight and one cap supporters want to see more of. And looking back on it, I just thought the commitment from, from everybody was just spot on. It's exactly what we what we need uh, for us to become a really good team in this league. That sort of work rate from everybody. I think it started with the front two. Um, 
you know, their ability to press, uh, our ability then to push the lines up, be a little bit, a little bit more on the front foot. And that's a great ball to Ricketts, and the flag goes up. Or is that a penalty? It's a penalty! It truly was a night and day effort from one week to the next. Collectively, the Caps' work rate was deserving of victory, one that could have been more decisive had Lucas Cavallini found the back of the net on this penalty kick. Cavallini was a force in the preseason, as he was against the Galaxy last weekend, except he's still in search of his first regular season goal. Of course. Uh, as any... As any player that misses a penalty, obviously, it, it gets to you, you know. But, no, you got to stay positive. Like, it's not the first time it happened to me, so I know to cope with things like this. The most important thing was the victory for the team, so I'm happy with the result. All right, Liverpool defending champs in Champions League are now out. Three goals in injury time for Atletico Madrid. Marcus Llorente with a goal there, a second of the game. And it's a 4-2 in aggregate final for Atletico Madrid. And yet another athlete testing positive for coronavirus. Daniel Rigani of Juventus has tested positive. What this means for Juventus, who is still in Champions League, that remains to be seen. We're now hearing, and I'm not sure if this is confirmed yet, because we've looked on the NHL website, so we haven't seen it, that the NHL may have a decision after its games this evening about what it wants to do going forward in the wake of what the NBA has just decided. The, the developments are coming fast and furious Seriously. just in the last hour. Well, the NHL, I, I, I think the NHL is going to have to play with no fans eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we, we heard today from... Um, Bonnie Henry. Yeah, Bonnie Henry, that that's not in the cards right now for the mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks or anything in B.C., but ultimately the NHL could just tell its teams, that's it, no fans, or they could tell their teams... We're shutting down, and it may not be a case where they shut down for the whole season. They may say, let's just shut down right now, wait it out, and see what happens, and then come back. Yeah, it's what the NBA is doing. Here's your snow report for this evening. Whistler Blackcomb, nothing new, but they will get some on Friday. Grouse 2, Cypress is the winner today at 20, Sasquatch 13, Manny Park and Revelstoke 11, Fernie 12, Kicking Horse 14, Big White picked up 12, Silver Star and Sun Peaks 2, Apex 4, Same for Mount Washington, Whitewater 14, Red Mountain 5, and Powder King 18. The Museum of Vancouver is taking a deep dive into its archives, unearthing a vault of more than 80,000 vintage items. And they have more than just historical value. As Linda Ellsworth reports, some of the pieces of city history are inspiring artwork that you'll be able to buy. It's a place few people ever get to see. The archives at the Museum of Vancouver. So here begins the local history section of our storage facility. Over 80,000 artifacts are stored here. Among them, prints that depict the history of Vancouver. I don't know that people really boat in Lost Lagoon very much anymore. Jillian has cared for these artifacts for over eight years. It's certainly a view that not a lot of people get to see, and I'm so thankful for it every day. That such things are rarely on display is due to lack of exhibition space and concern that light will fade the ink things are about to change. When we saw what was down here, we went, well, there's a real opportunity to kind of take this history that a lot of people don't know about Vancouver and kind of bring it back out into the daylight. And so a partnership between the museum and Two Point Design was born. The goal, to digitally enhance and reproduce some of the prints and make them available to the public. We're kind of modernizing them a little bit, taking them and translating them into something that I think people would actually 
like to, you know, have as as a piece of art. And so from this 100-year-old Rogers Sugar label plate, they picked a detail, a can of syrup, and turned it into this. And a souvenir image from the Cave Supper Club was turned into this. In here we took uh, this beautiful uh, font here um, and we were able to take that and kind of superimpose it onto this illustration that was done. In time, they planned to include 3D objects, like this anti-war button from Vancouver's early LGBTQ movement, the model used to create the famous Lionsgate Bridge Lions, and this. These are a pair of rental swim trunks that were available at uh, Kitsilano Beach starting in 1938. There's a little pocket for your locker key. Money from the sale of the reproductions, which you can find on the Museum of Vancouver website, will help support the upkeep of their collection. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who would rent swim trunks? It's one thing to rent bowling shoes because they can spray in there. But does Maybe a guy hold up the trunk and here you go. I remember, oh, these I remember my dad doing it at Banff Hot Springs one time. You, oh. were able to, you were able to do it. Well, I mean, that was old. The olden days before we were... Before people had <laughs> before germs. Social before social distancing. Yeah. 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 Before we're social distancing. You guys are a little close right now. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Thanks very much for watching, everybody. Latest developments on yeah. Yeah, COVID-19 right here and on BC1. Good night, all.